Good morning, everyone. I, uh, I'm actually substituting, substitute preaching today. It was actually uh, Pastor Jeremy's, uh, this is actually 2 Corinthians is Pastor Jeremy's uh, sermon series, but then it, uh, he got called away for, for, uh, for another speaking engagement. So I'm substituting in this time. And then also, uh, I, I hope you look forward to next week, uh, our youth director, Charlie uh sheldon is actually going to be preaching next week too so we, we're kind of both substitute preaching right now but uh but uh i'm very happy to have this opportunity to kind of jump in and to to be able to speak on the second corinthians series this idea of this glory of ministry and i love this idea that pastor jeremy left us with these two ideas these two pictures of what it means for us as far as the kind of ministry that we have this picture of a parade this procession that we have in Christ as we're being ushered into his presence. We are also enjoying the celebration of his victory. That victory in Christ, uh, his victory over sin, over death. And in addition to this idea, this picture of a parade, a procession, there's also this imagery that he left us with last week is the sense that we in our ministry, it's about our fragrance, our perfume. It's a parade and perfume that you and I are part of, uh, that we would leave uh, this wonderful fragrance of Christ's life-giving spirit in other people's lives. Now, I have here, this is Carolyn's favorite perfume, okay? This is Carolyn's favorite perfume. My French is, is non-existent, so it is... It's called uh, Meld et un Rose, okay? Something like that, okay? Uh, a, 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 t- a Thousand and One Roses, okay? Something like that, okay? And so that's what this one is. This is a very special perfume because for whatever reason, Lancome, who actually makes this, this perfume, they only actually put it out maybe every 10 years. It's kind of like a, kind of like a, a uh, novelty or is it kind of like a, just one of those uh, collector's items that they try to do. It's a once every 10 years. So the first time that it came out was for the holiday season, 1999. And in fact, actually, at that point in time, they named it 2001 Rose, okay, because it was for the year 2000, okay? And, okay, I, I'm not, I'm smelling it right now, and it, it, I'm not a fragrance guy, okay? But for whatever reason, this actually smells really, really nice, and it has to do with the, this idea of 2001 Rose, our are a thousand roses, that, that there's actually several different types of roses that are built into this blend, okay? And, and so it's not just one tone. You get a little tone of different types of roses that are, that are sweet or a little bit more musky, and it's all this kind of in-between. So it's, it just smells really nice. And so um, doesn't make any I just know this because my wife tells me, okay? I don't know, okay? Uh, but, uh, but she told me this, and, and so when she mentions something like this to me, you know, uh, and, and all husbands, this is really key, okay, when your wife mentions something like, wow, I really love this, when she starts telling you about something that she knows you don't care about, you need to care about it, okay, and so, so I, I, uh, I go, oh, I think she wants me to buy this, okay, so, so I, I actually have to do this, so it came out January, excuse me, December the 1st, 1999, and I immediately, I said, I'm going to go out. We were living in uh, the UK at the time. We were in, in Cardiff, Wales. 
and I went out. Okay, I don't like going shopping, okay? So this is a big deal for me. I went out and tried to look for it. I could not find it anywhere because once I went there, there's a space for it, but it was all gone. Okay, people were already buying it. It was just off the shelves immediately once I got a chance to do it. So I said, okay, no problem. This is Cardiff, Wales, it's a little back, back woods, okay? I'm going to London next week for a preaching engagement. Surely, surely in London, I should be able to find a place that sells this. And I go in there, and after, after Sunday service, I went out to the high street, went to all the places that I would go, several places, and could not find it, okay? It was really sad. So um, the next weekend was probably the last weekend I had a chance to go buy this because I wasn't just buying this for uh, Christmas. I was actually buying this for our wedding anniversary, which was December the 15th, okay? So I had to get it, okay? So it turned out that I was actually in Birmingham, and so when I got to Birmingham, I started looking around, and now I'm really sweating because I could not find it anywhere in the city. And then I was really desperate at that point in time. So, so on the trip home from Birmingham to, uh, to, uh, to Cardiff, this is a, a train trip about maybe about three hours. I even tried to take the slow train because what I decided to do was every time that train stopped, I was going to hop off that train, run into town, and, and go to the nearest shop and see if I could find this, 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 uh, this perfume. And so indeed, I did. So it was, just, it, was, it was just a game, okay? So cat and mouse kind of game. So it went out, it went out okay, first stop, hopped out, ran, ran to the high street, ran to where the shops were, tried to look for it, did not find it, okay? And oh, by the way, part of the difficulty of all this was it's December in the UK. It's cold, okay? It's rainy, okay? And I'm, I'm already after that first stop, I'm all muddy, and I'm wet and everything like this, okay? And I've been, had to run about a half mile out, half mile back, something like that. So I could actually try to make it to the next train. And so then I hop on that train and then be able to get on the next one. Okay, so uh, I did this four times, okay? I actually had to do this four times. Finally, by that fourth time, I hopped out, ran to the high street, and lo and behold, there's three of them left right there. Didn't have money for all of them, just had enough for one bought the one, and was just so relieved and ran back. Uh, and just uh, once I got back on the, the next train, I was able to just, just be able to sit there and just relax. Now, at this point in time, everybody who's looking at me, uh, who was on that train, all they saw was this guy who looked like he came in from camping after a month, okay? Just absolutely filthy from all the mud and everything from running through the, the streets all wet, not to mention I, a total run about maybe three, four miles. I'm kind of like just not smelling very nice. So quite ironic that this guy who is smelling terrible, looking terrible, actually was being trying to be a husband to, was trying to get his wife some perfume, right? So um, now what does that have to do with our, our sermon today? Well, uh, this. The Apostle Paul, with the Corinthian church, he did everything within his power that they would be able to join that parade, that they would be able to be the fragrance of Christ, to be able to smell sweetly before all, all other people. 
But in return, the Corinthians were actually starting to question Paul. Paul, you know something? These, there's other preachers who were preaching Christ. And to be honest, you actually are not a very good preacher. And then on top of that, eh, you're not that attractive. Eh, and on top of that, we have some other questions about your theology and everything like that. He who'd made so much effort for his people that they would be the aroma of Christ was rejected as if he's basically just told them, we th you stink, okay? And so in this, as we talk about uh, this, the glory of this ministry that we actually have, um, the, the Corinthians were just basically saying to Paul, why should you be our teacher? Why should we be, be, be our discipler? Why should you be our pastor? And they were saying to him, basically, hey, show us your resume. Could I have the, uh, the slides? Thank you. So in our passage today, Paul uh, is responding to their response. Uh, responding to, to their, their, their question or, or, or their request. Show me your resume, Paul. And so at this point in time, he is responding to them. And so uh, in this passage that we're looking at, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, there's basically three points that Paul addresses in this way. You know, uh, for you and I, uh, there are many, many times over and over again that uh, that we have given our resumes, or that we will be giving our resumes. Many times over, people will actually say, show me your resume, give me your credentials. And from workplace to workplace, uh, we will need to do this. But how does this apply to us as far as our faith is concerned? What is our spiritual resume? What is our spiritual re resume? And so here, just as Apostle Paul had to answer to the Corinthians. This is the thing that maybe we all need to answer as a church, as all of us who are leaders, all of us who are in ministry. Uh, what, do you have any references? Okay, that'll be the first point I would make. Second point is, what are your qualifications? Okay, do you have any references? You know, it's, in this world, it's not just what you know, but who you know, and that, who will actually back up your claim? And as far as your qualifications are concerned, we all need to show that we're good enough for what we're, what we're about. And then lastly, a question that is often asked during an interview, a job interview, is what's your ambition? What are your intentions as far as your future is concerned and the future of the people that you're with? So with this in mind, let's go ahead and start taking a look at First, Second Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Do you have any references? Uh, one important item on your resume are your references. You actually have to look for people or show people or list people that are, can vouch for you. And so the Corinthian church was actually, actually asking Paul, hey, do you have any references? Because, you know, since you came, you originally came, there have been other preachers and teachers that have actually come to Corinth, and they all carry a letter of recommendation from places that they have been. Where are yours? And Paul says, hey, 
he tells him, I don't have any need for references on paper. I don't have any need for references on paper. Because for Paul, uh, references that day is to justify yourself. And in Paul's mind, he goes, you know, I'm not in, in this for self-promotion or self-justification. I'm in it for the proclamation of Christ. That's my main purpose. That's my main goal. And on top of that, when you are asking me for references, you know something? I've been, I've been with you in Corinth for a lo long time. I was there with you for over a year teaching and preaching you. So ultimately, you know something? If you really want to see references, I'm not going to give you anything on paper. I'm going to show you you, you people. It's not a paper reference, but a people reference. You are the evidence of my work. You, all who can know and read in their lives and have been transformed by the message of Christ's death and resurrection, this message of the good news and the gospel is what I have actually given to you and presented to you uh, already. So you are my references. Indeed, he sticks in something else in this too. Not only are they his references for Paul, ultimately what they need to see is this, that there are actually references for Christ himself. Here it actually says they are a letter from Christ upon whose hearts Paul has written with the spirit of the living God into their hearts. And so there's two parts to this. There's two parts to this, to us and our references. Number one is how have you impacted others in ministry just as Paul had for the Corinthians, okay? That's actually one of our references, okay? If we are to say that we are a church and we do ministry, each and every one of us needs to say, who are the people that I'm ministering to? And that we can know how to answer that. Who are the ones that I have actually shared the gospel with? Now, how have you impacted others is part of the referencing. But the other reference, and this is the most important reference of all for each and every one of us, whether we teach or preach or we're newfound Christians, your reference, your life, how it's been transformed, how it's been changed is a reference for the power of the Holy Spirit's work in your heart. Now, when I was baptized, I got baptized in, I can't remember the year. When was I baptized? 1985. Okay, so I was baptized in 1985. Um, I got baptized in Taipei, Taiwan, in the Grace Bible Church. And there, and this is the Bible that they actually hand you, okay? This is actually, uh, and in there is a, is a stamp showing that I was actually baptized, okay? Now, one of the things is that if somebody asks me for my references uh, as a minister or my references as a Christian, uh, all of us, even at, at Fort Bend Community Church, you could always show your certificate. I sh can show them my Bible with this. That would be one way that I could actually introduce myself, okay? But 
in the end, ultimately, that is not what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. That's this paper. How about people? We can all, on paper, if we've been baptized in a church, on paper, we can show that we're, we're Christians, okay? But ultimately, it's how we lived our lives before others that we're each other's references in Christ. Now, okay, so the Corinthians say, Paul, okay, okay, your references are us. We understand. You've been here before. You spent time with us. We've seen you in action. But you know something? We have some questions uh, whether you are qualified. You may have people who can vouch for you, but really, how good are you at what you do? What are your qualifications? Now, to the Corinthians, Paul just didn't measure up uh, to other preachers and teachers that have come to Corinth. There's one that's mentioned by name. His name is Apollos. And Apollos was, man, he was the preacher of preachers. He was the best of his day. Everybody wanted to hear him. Everybody thought he was so eloquent and really be able to, to speak into, into people's hearts and minds. And so people, uh, so the Corinthians are saying, you know something, Paul, not really sure about you, about this. You know, uh, maybe we should just follow Apollos instead of following you. Now, Paul obviously tries to defend himself and tries to, to, to that they would understand it better. Oh, by the way, uh, one of the points of contention, it's, uh, it's not in this passage, but later on in 2 Corinthians, you'll be able to pick up the point, is uh, they, they had a problem with Paul by putting it this way. You know, when everybody comes here, comes to the Corinth church to preach, they always ask for an offering or ask for remuneration or ask for an honorarium. Because when they speak, if they speak well, they deserve to be paid well. But Apostle Paul, you know, you don't ask for anything. Okay? You don't ask for anything. You don't ask to be paid anything. Now, I realize I'm speaking to a Chinese church where, hey, free is good. You know, you're, you're all into that understanding. Hey, hey, I choose Apostle Paul every time. He's free. Okay? But you need to understand there's a different mentality going on here. Because in the Corinthians' mind, they're saying, you know, if he's asking for more, he must be better than the rest. Okay? If he's asking for money, if these people ask for money, they must be better than the rest. Paul, you don't ask for anything because maybe you're just kind of ashamed of your product. Okay? You're, maybe you don't think highly about what you're saying. If you don't think you deserve anything for it, it must not be worth anything. Okay? That's the thinking. Now, uh, do, do I need to go into that, that sense that for us, uh, uh, when I was in youth ministries, first time I did, did, did youth ministries, I was thinking very much, uh, I want to save family money, family's money. I'm going to try to keep the costs really pretty, pretty low, good quality to work by. I don't want to overcharge them for anything. And so uh, for youth camp, one, one week of youth camp, this is way back when, folks, can you imagine this? It was $90 for the whole week for one person, Okay. And at that time, I was really worried that people would think it was too, too, uh, too expensive, but I had, it was $90, okay? So that first year I did camp, it was $90. And then I noticed that actually some of our kids, 
we're actually going to the camp at the church down the street. And I'm going like, what? What's going on here? And then I, I finally realized it was this. Uh, it was nothing. I go program to program, activity to activity. We matched up. And in fact, in some sense, I thought we were even better. Okay? I thought we had a better speaker. But uh, everybody was just decided to go to that other camp. And then I realized something. Some, I, I learned a lesson from Nike shoes. Okay? Don't just charge what something's worth. Charge as if people want to buy it because it's extravagant, because it's actually, uh, a, it's actually a, a, a luxury, okay? And then you start charging that. So the next year, what do I do? I could have charged $90 again, but no, I raised the price of the camp to $110. What? You think that people would not go, right? No, doubles the size of the camp. Because at that point in time, people would say, like, yeah, it must really be worth it. If it's, uh, if it's $110, it must be a pretty good program. Okay, hopefully a lot better than 90, a $90 program, right? And stuff like that. And so, so, in, so in that sense, we all do actually have this kind of struggle like, uh, that the Corinthians were actually having, right? So uh, to the Corinthians, free meant that Paul was ashamed of his message. But so what Paul says, says this, hey, I am ashamed of nothing. Indeed, I actually have a confidence in my message because ultimately I'm not selling myself. It's not about my self-confidence that, that worried about. That it's not about me being ashamed. Ultimately, I want you to believe that what I have is my confidence in Christ in what he is able to do in each and every one of our lives. And this message is free because that life-giving uh, decision that you and I can make in belief in Jesus Christ is not by how much you pay, how much you earn, or how much you need to do to earn Christ's love or God's love, but it's a free gift to each and every one of us. That's why the Paul says to the Corinthians, I haven't been charging you. It's not about self-confidence. It's about my great, utter confidence in Jesus Christ. Now, his next point is really one of the really important here, too. If it's not about self-confidence, but about confidence in Christ, the other part that needs to bolster each and every one of us who have faith in Jesus Christ is that uh, we're chosen. We are actually chosen. Uh, I am qualified. You are qualified. We are all qualified because we've been chosen by the almighty and perfect God. Um, when I do baptism classes, one of the things that uh, inevitably comes up, there's always one person in the baptism class that will, maybe one or two weeks before the baptism, will actually come to me and say, Pastor Jay, I don't know if I can, I don't think I should do this. Okay, I don't think I should go through with this baptism. And inevitably, I'll, you know, I'll ask why and what they're going through, and inevitably they would always say, I just don't think I'm good enough. Maybe when I'm better, when I get my life together, when I, my relationship with my parents gets better, 
uh, when my schoolwork, uh, when I can actually honor God with my schoolwork, uh, and all these kind of things, that, that at that point in time, I can actually say I can, I can uh, be worthy uh, to be able to, 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 to say that I'm a Christian. Very common. Happens time and time again. There's always somebody who, who believes and thinks this. And so <clears throat> the thing about it is this. When I talk through th with them, and I think for all of you here, you understand this to be true. Uh, it's not about, baptism isn't about declaring how good we are. Actually, it is the exact opposite. When you and I go into the ba baptismal pool, when we go into the font, the reason why we're in water to begin with, symbolically, we're saying to the world, we're sinners. We are broken. Uh, there's nothing, in fact, we're saying that we are, there's nothing good about ourselves. That we even, because of who we are in sin, we deserve to die. But we proceed with baptism not to declare how good we are, but we, to declare how great God is. That we have a God who is great enough to take broken people, to take sinners, to be able to transform them into the likeness of a holy God, into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. That is what we have baptism for, and that's what we come together every Sunday to praise, that God has taken each and every one of us here, not because we're good enough to be in this church. None of us are good enough. None of us are good enough to preach the gospel. None of us are, are even worthy of being able to, to wear a cross on a necklace. None of us are worthy to bear the name of Christ follower. None of us are worthy enough. And that is the beauty of the Christian message of the gospel. It's not about how good we are, but how great God is. Some of you are thinking, yeah, uh, well, you've been through the baptism already, but now you're thinking, I'm not qualified to be a minister. I'm not qualified to teach a Sunday school class. I'm not qualified to be a youth leader. I'm not qualified to be a disciple. And you know what I have to answer to, to be able to say that? Uh, you're absolutely right. You are not qualified, not a single one of you. But your qualifications are, are through Christ himself. It's not through your, your self-confidence or your understanding of your gifts and talents. It's actually through the very simple thing that God chose you. He's actually invited you into the kingdom. You have come into the kingdom. You're qualified. Each and every one of us. None of us are good enough but we meet here every Sunday because of the God who is great enough. That's why we worship him. Now, my third point. So when you go in for job interviews, after they look at your references, after they look at, at your qualifications, they, they always ask a question like, what's your ambition? What are your intentions? Okay, And, and um, the... the uh, the candidate 
uh, the, the interviewer wants to hear from that candidate what, what are they thinking. Are they just in this for the money? You know, uh, uh, are they just seeing this job as a stepping stone to another job? Uh, or are they really interested in growing this company? And if that interviewer is actually that person's supervisor, they want to they wanna hear, hey, are, do you have my back? Okay, that your work is going to reflect well upon me as your supervisor, right? You want your supervisor to look good. The supervisor wants that. And so here, uh, in this passage, uh, one of the things that, that we're talking about, if you can keep this up here for a second, don't, uh, nobody needs to see my face right now. You can read the, the whole passage. Uh, that this is actually what Paul is talking about here. Paul is actually redirecting people when you're asking for references, when you're asking for qualifications, well, what is, what is your purpose? What is your spiritual ambition? Okay? What is your spiritual ambition? And here, you can see that Paul uses this uh, word to define spiritual ambition. For each and every one of us as Christians, he uses the word glory. Okay? The word glory. Give glory to God. Uh, and the whole idea here is to, to really, in our lives, that we would shine the light on God. Uh, like we would have whatever little uh, flashlight or candlelight that we would have, that we would shine it out on God. Each and every one of us, that the whole church together, would be able to glorify God, make him bright, making him clearly known to all the world. Making him, uh, uh, another way of putting it is magnifying him, making God big in our lives. And so when we turn about, talk about ambition, uh, one of the problems that Paul dealt with, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this uh, today because uh, uh, Charles Sheldon is going to take over next week and he'll, he'll, he'll focus on this a little bit more. But one of the things that Paul wants to kind of point out for in his time, in his day, that those other people who are passing through Corinth, those other people who are preaching and teaching just like he did, there's a problem. There's a problem in their teaching and preaching because they were not preaching just Christ. They were also preaching the old covenant, the old testament, the old ways of doing things like the following after the law that was laid down by Moses. And as such, he goes through these comparison and contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The letter, meaning the law, kills, but the Spirit is the one that gives life. Uh, there, it was something on stone, but here what we have in Christ is in the Spirit. In the, in the law, what you received was condemnation because you always fell short. But in the Spirit, uh, you are, your heart is filled with this righteousness of Christ that you can live before him because you have not your own righteousness, self-righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. And then ultimately, the, uh, the old covenant was a temporary one. And the new one is the permanent one. All these, uh, another term for these people who were that Paul would use to describe these individuals who are coming and preaching and teaching. Uh, yeah, they mentioned Jesus, but in the end, they were Judaizers. They followed the old covenant. And ultimately, that's the covenant that leads to death. 
the only way is to following after Jesus Christ and to have life. And so, a question for each and every one of us is, what is our spiritual ambition? What is our spiritual ambition? Why are you here? Why are you here at Fort Bend Community Church? Why are you here today? You know, people do come to church for various different reasons. Uh, People come to church for friendships. This pandemic was horrible. So, so we're now coming back here is the chance to be able to renew those friendship and fellowship again. Sometimes uh, coming to church proves that you're spiritual. It is actually one of the, the checkoff points that each and every one have. Are you spiritual? Yeah, I go to church on Sundays. Okay? Uh, some people come here, actually, I'm, I'm afraid to say for business reasons, okay? Uh, that you actually come here and you have a product that you want to sell, you have something that you want to be able to, to dispense or, or to share uh, or to, to grow or whatever kind of thing. You come here to make business connections, okay? You're here. But Paul would say, and I say too, I would hope and pray that ultimately our spiritual ambition is the glory of God. That we will glorify him, that we will serve him and honor him and make him big in our lives. That then the whole world would really see what Jesus is all about. And that they would be able to receive Jesus in the same way and be able to enjoy that pleasure of knowing his love for each and every one of us. My last slide, and this is uh, just to finish everything off. And just some, some, some take-home points. Um, what I would hope, uh, what the Apostle Paul was hoping for the Corinthians is what I'm hoping for us here today. That each and every one of us would make a decision to be a living letter. A living letter for the recommendation of Christ to the world. Now, what does that mean, to be a living letter? That in our lives, it's not about writing stuff on paper, though you could do that, okay? Or you could put it in your, uh, you can put it on your Instagram, or you can actually be able to put it on on, uh, any blogs that you may write. You can write, okay? But ultimately, in your life, you would be a living letter. That everybody who looks at you, who reads your life, will be able to say, uh, they'll be able to see Jesus in you. Everything you do, whether you're uh, at, at school, in the classroom, or in the lab, or in the medical plaza, uh, for doctors, your bedside manner, uh, for other ones, how we uh, treat our co-workers in all these things that people will see Jesus Christ. Now, you're going to say, oh, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could. Guess what? It's already been said and done. You are, you've been chosen already. You've been chosen for the job. God wouldn't have chosen you unless he wanted you to be that person in the workplace, in the home. 
in the classroom. You are sufficient because God has already written in your hearts. And it's just a matter of us opening ourselves to others. And very lastly, yes, living letters that each and every one of us would actually glorify God in the highest. Um, I, oh, I just, you know, this is actually going to be the last time I'm going to be preaching this year, okay? Um, I'm actually going on sabbatical in October. I will be uh, gone. I'll be on sabbatical from October, November, December. I'll be gone those three months. Um, my big job here uh, is what I'm hoping for, and I hope that this brings glory to the Lord, okay? Um, that uh, I really want to look into what does it mean for us to be evangelistic. What does it mean for us to practice evangelism as a church, okay? So uh, please pray for me. Uh, I, I will be able to, and by the way, uh, I'm, I'm not off the face of the earth. I'm not doing this in Jamaica, okay? I'm actually going to be here in town, okay? For the most part, and so if you need to, you want to chat and talk. I'm I'm still very open to to all all that. But uh, but my main focus would be actually how I can actually be a be better pastor as far as leading a church into reaching out uh, into this community for Jesus Christ. Okay, so for now, I'm hoping that in that sense, that sense of evangelism and outreach, that's all about glory. Okay, that you and I will be a church of glory that that's what the ministry that we have for, for God. Okay? Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and want to thank you for this incredible privilege of being able to come before you in Jesus Christ, uh, that you chose us, uh, and you've chosen us for this remarkable uh, task of ministry. And we pray, Lord God, uh, that we will be able to honor you with your choice and that we will take up that privilege to be able to serve others, to glorify you, Lord God, in this world. And it is Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.